Hey guys, I'm your host, John. And I'm your host, Ahmed. And we're back with the 14th episode of the Black Box Podcast. I just wanted to start by saying thank you for a thousand downloads. Uh, that was really cool. I think if any of you follow us on Instagram, you'd see that we were posting about that a bit. Um, yeah, this episode, we have a guest that Ahmed will get into, introduce him. But uh, we're going to talk about The Office, basically the the politics of The Office and just people trying to get you to do what they want you to do. Yeah, just like the workplace. Yeah, the general. workplace in general, I guess. Yeah, as uh, as John had alluded to, I will be getting into my friend, <laughs> <laughs> my friend Michael Gazelski uh, over here. Hi, everyone. <laughs> he also uh, went to Stony Brook with us. Yeah, and fellow engineer also has a job, so. That helps. <laughs> it does help with this topic. It's useful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, let's dive in. Like, I was on stage in, like, the school auditorium presenting some – or not present – fuck. So, like, I was just the person who, like, I said some shit in the beginning. There were a bunch of parents. You announced shit. some stuff at a yeah, and then, an and auditorium. Then I, like, and then I was standing there for, like – over an hour and I had to piss so badly and at some point I couldn't hold it in anymore and I pissed myself and then I just it's a good thing I was wearing a, like dark pants because nobody noticed <laughs> but I'm pretty oh I'm pretty sure I left a puddle of piss by the podium when I was in eighth grade like you know how I have a good one too I have a good one. Oh my god I have a good one <laughs> Okay, so, um, this was second or third grade, third grade. So, there was this thing, like, you know when you would go out to recess and everyone would play games, and then if you got in trouble, there was, like, the monitors that would give you, like, a, like, leveling system of, like, discipline? Yeah, like, some kind of punishment. First offense is this, second that type shit. If you get three or whatever, then you have to sit next to them for like 10 minutes and then you can go back in. And the whole time I was like, I got to pee. Can I go to the bathroom? And they weren't, wouldn't let me go. They just kept saying no. But and me being a kid, I was like, oh shit, I guess I can't go. So then I was like, wait, I have to go. So then I was running. I just started running toward the bathroom and I didn't make it. And I pissed my pants. And I didn't really know uh, what to do. When I, when I was a kid, like... like- <laughs> on the topic of like pissing yourself and i was in like i don't know maybe i was like seven or eight i was in the macy's that's in like smith haven mall right and the kids section was on like the third floor and for some reason i don't remember the context but i remember pissing myself <laughs> in macy's i just want to be that kid that just yaks on a desk in the middle of class out of nowhere <laughs> i think when you're a kid everyone has those stories but when you're in that moment you're like holy fuck my life is over bro like, i need to live with these kids for or like go to school with these kids for how many more years it's not like it's the end when i was younger too one time i shit my pants in like a like a target or a kmart or something like that I mean, I'm pretty sure, like one of the, one of the ways that is like scientifically proven to deal with like an embarrassing situation, if you start 
almost like making fun of yourself. People feel empathy for you and then they like laugh with you rather than laughing at you. You know, who's really good at uh, like knowing how to get people to agree with them? Ziad. Well, Ziad, I was just going <laughs> to say my new manager. Really? I, cause I read that book where I'm about to finish it, how to make friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, what the heck? Like, as I'm reading it, I'm looking through like the points that they're making and I could see him actively doing it to me. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he just has like an instruction manual that he's going through. How to mind control people who report to me. <laughs> no, he's, he's good at his job. I respect him. That's good. And my manager's a beast. Yeah, my manager's awesome. It's nice when they like give you your space. Yeah, no, my my manager is like very hands off. He's just like, yeah. let me, like, dude, I remember at the end of this past summer, like when my intern was like finishing up, my manager was like, yo, I feel so bad. I wasn't more involved. I was like, why? I was like, it, it wasn't your job to be involved. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Well, I feel like during quarantine and when I was in my old position, uh, I keep blanking out. Um, when I was in my old position, my manager really, he was pretty hands off too. Like there, sometimes I go days without talking to him, but because I started the new one, now it's pretty hands-on. Like, he's constantly checking in. So He's and also a hands-on manager. I mean, it's useful, at least in the beginning, to help out. Well, yeah, because mm-hmm. I need help with a, it's a lot of new things. So. Like, am I, I, don't, I don't know if, like, do you think hands-on is, like, the opposite, is, like, synonymous with, like, micromanaging? Because no. I, I don't think so. I feel like no. it, I, it's not synonymous, but I feel like it's more likely. You have mm-hmm. to be a hands-on if you're going to be a micromanager. Well, I definitely feel like, like, when I started uh, my job, like my manager was very like, she would check in with me like every day, make sure everything's okay. She, it was never like an instructive thing. It was more along the lines of like, I want to make sure that you're okay. And you're not going down like the wrong route. Like people aren't commanding you to do things that you shouldn't be doing. Sometimes you can ask multiple people in your company, the same question, they'll give you a different answer. Yeah. Dude, that happens. It happens way too Every much. Every single day to me. Way Every, too much. Communication is hard in a big company. And the thing is, when it has to go up multiple levels and come down, sometimes yep. it actually gets. Dude, sometimes like, I ask, I ask questions that there is no subjectivity to the answers to these questions, right? It's just like, it's like, do I? There's something called a change control form. I was like, do I have to do a change control form? Yeah, to do like, X, like, Y, and Z, and, and people like changing documents or anything like that. It's like it's it's going from one stage of a project to oh, another, okay. and I was just like, I like, there were a lot of like complications with the project, so there there's a lot of stuff that I have to like explain explain and, that because I'm considered the subject. Yes, yeah, I know. There's a, there's a lot of specific info that you have to really tell people every time because yeah, I, I you and. The fact that it's like an OTC product, it's treated as a drug. So now there are extra th- way, FDA and stuff. Yeah, there's extra stuff I have to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do I have to do this form? And some people said yes, and some people said no. And I was like, well, like how am I? How am I? My manager was like, he was like, I mean, it's not a like, it's not a change, but like, I have heard that you have to do it, so probably yes. Mm-hmm. But like. He, the reason he was a great manager is because he went and found, tried to find the answer for me while I was doing the same, right? Yeah. Whereas some managers will, 
like I've heard I've heard stories and I've read like case notes for my classes of managers that are just like, yeah, like you got to go figure that out. And they're just like completely useless. Wait, I mean, not not like not like wanting you to like figure it out yourself. So they just like don't care enough to help. I just feel like the thing is now when you get really busy, everyone's like drowning. So they no people just can't like they physically just can't do it. Well, I feel like it's different if you're like, nah, I ain't doing it, boss. <laughs> go fuck yeah. yourself. <laughs> I feel like part of it is also just like knowing where to go, and that's where your manager is, has like a good spot because usually they've been there for a while. They know everybody's roles a little bit better. Yeah. So if they could just direct you to the place where you need to go to get your answer, and if you also have the confidence to then like reach out and if you get an answer, like execute on that and just you're good. That's like, that's all you really, well, that's, that's what your manager is trying to give you. That's like the most important thing. That's how you fix the problem. They don't have to like actually answer it for you. They just have to. No, I mean, they, have, they to, have to nudge you in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like that, like nudge you in the right direction or like guide you like that. That's like, that's like the manager's job. But do you think that like in like the average manager, do you think they do that effectively? I feel like it's case by case. Mm-hmm. Like some do, some don't. I, I feel like you can't say one more than the other. Some people, I think, misinterpret the position of authority that, like, like I really just brings. my ideal, like, the reason I'm going down this path is because I really want to just be like, what do you need me to do? How's the progress? Anything else? Any issues? Mm-hmm. Like you want, you want to like be go there do what you got to do. Yeah, like I'll, I'll help them, but I don't want to. I want to do the least amount and be the most effective. Yeah. Right? Isn't that the point? So then you could spend your time doing work that's above their grade level. I mean, and that's the, the point. The thing is like managers, like their performance, a lot of it is evaluated by how the people that report to them do. Right. So mm-hmm. like they're, they are like responsible for how well of a job you do. I just also, I feel like when you let people rock and only help them when they need, like if things aren't going where they need to go, then you step in, help out. But mm-hmm. when you let people do their thing, it usually works out better. You trust their process. Yeah. If you give them space and you let them know that you trust them, they feel like oh, I'm going to let them down if I like don't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's less of like a, you have to do this and more like, and I'm like, fuck you. I'm trying to do this. I'm going to do the minimum. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the, uh, there's, all right, this is going to go hella like, business school on you guys but like there there are like a few different types of power right yeah and one of them i think it's called we should maybe referent power oh reference power all right referent power is like apparently the power you have over other people based on your personal like your personality and your character like how likable of a person you are and if you think about it like if you like somebody, like if you like your manager, you're more willing to do work for them. But yeah. if you like dislike somebody, you're like, yeah, why yeah. would you do anything yep. for them? Right. Yep. And I never actually thought about it because like they said, there are like three types of power that you get with like your position or like whatever is like, get, like a position that's given to you. Right. So that's like legitimate power is like what actually like what your position gives you like the abilities it gives you over other people then you have reward power which is like your control over someone's salary and shit so like ceo like all of those people 
Then you have um, there is one one kind of power about like punishing people. Like if um, I said reference power, and I said legitimate and reward, it's coercive and the expert. So you have like coercive power, which you just like it. It it, it sounds like coercive. It sounds sussy, but um that's like your power like a coach basically has coercive power like if you fuck this up you're running or if you do some shit like it's it's you're like, able to convince them of what you want coercive. yeah and then um so yeah so those are the three types of power that you get from like a position and then your per like your characteristic powers are expert power and referent power which i mentioned like earlier right so expert power is like your power over somebody because of your knowledge on a specific topic. Like if, if you're an expert on stocks and I'm like a newbie with stocks, like you have some kind of power over me because you have a skill that I don't. Type it's of like thing. a teacher. Yeah. So it's like, like when you are an entry level employee, the types of power that you can get are limited to referent power and expert power. So it's like, like what they would, teach in the business class is that you need to be a master of a topic like you have to be like the go-to guy for one specific skill like have a unique skill and just be likable and then you have power over your manager like like you have power over your manager your power your manager has power over you but it's not like it's not a one-way thing anymore and screw up a lot so their boss knows you too <laughs> it's all about name recognition. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. All PR is good PR, especially <laughs> in the workplace. Just don't get fired, but or don't do like something illegal. Yeah, don't do anything that would get you fired, but you can definitely like run into problems throughout the way and like as long as you solve them, you'd probably just impress everyone that you solved the issue. And obviously don't look for problems, but if you expose yourself to enough challenges that you end up in not ideal situations and you solve them, everybody hears about it. So it's good for recognition. It's good for experience. You get to kind of humble yourself by screwing up and then everybody's happy. And then you you kind of like give up your power because now you don't really have a choice. Like you have to fix the thing you messed up, but you get it back really quick and then you have more. Damn. It's it's almost similar to that to the phrase where it's like it's better to say uh it's better to say you're sorry than to ask for permission or some shit like do you know that it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission yeah yeah like like that that's kind of similar it's like it's like if you fuck something up and then you fix it like Mm. you're good but like if you ask Actually, never mind. That was a horrible. <laughs> well, also, like, if you're really, you know, if it was a well thought out thing that, you know, something kind of unforeseen happened or just the challenge of it, like the burden of it, maybe caused you to run into some issues. As long as you were being ambitious, like, people usually can appreciate that. As long as your boss or your manager is like understanding, like, usually they see the initiative more than they see the failure. And at the end of the day, like no one actually cares about anything but the end result. Like that is the bottom line, especially for higher ups. Like they're worried about dollar signs and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. The the one thing that I fucking hate is like 
at the end of the day, it is all about that. And the bigger people in play, usually they're the ones that get to pick and choose when to care about the intricacies of it. Like sometimes I'll be like, nah, like fuck all the processes, like get it done, get it out the door. And then other times I'll be like, yo, you forgot this one thing, this one requirement. I mean, if if you think about it, like say, say you work in R and D or some kind of innovation team. If you're, if you're really good at your job, you're always coming up with new ideas that will lead to future products in like a decade or something, right? You're just like this genius. You have so much value to the company, but say like the company that like starts to tank and all they care about is just manufacturing and just making shit and selling it and getting money. You, they might, they could probably fire you. They'll just be like, oh yeah, we don't even need that anymore. Yeah. It's excess at that point. You're a victim of like the company's success always. Yeah. And also even in R and D, like what percent of the things you produce are actually going to make it to market? I mean, that the thing is like, I, I like I work in a, an R and D building, right? So what I see, um, like I, I work in the engineering department where we like scale up stuff that's already been like developed and approved. So, like, I I get it from like the R and D place, like building to production site. So like I don't directly work in R and D, but like when I like interact with people there, like in the labs, like. Dude, they make like in a in like a chemical engineering company, they make shit every single day. Mm-hmm. And like like if the, if there's like a this is very makeup specific. If there are like 50 different shades of a lipstick, they have to make all 50 shades probably multiple times. Yeah, I mean Dude, that's, that's like the nature of like product development it's even like startups like what percent of startups are successful like it doesn't matter drugs in the fda like how many drugs actually pass their fda like clinical trials how many times have we heard that there was some miracle drug that cures cancer and then like (laughs) obviously that didn't happen or maybe you know it prevents one kind or whatever or one specific pathway but at the end of the day it didn't do the initial goal yeah so you hear that all the time. And those are some of the biggest companies in the world. Like the most successful companies in the world fail every single day. But all that matters is when they're successful is how successful they are. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that you can go to shit and literally like with one decision. Mm-hmm. I was just reading something. Robin Hood, like they were mad popular. People fucked with them. They, their downloads were going up. Like they were growing and growing and growing thing happened with amc and gme which at this point it's kind of becoming uncovered that it, there's some there was some such shit going on that day and uh now their downloads and everything are plunging everyone hates the app everyone got off or pe- most people are getting off yeah a ton of people switched and they went public too and their stock got yeah. shorted to nothing like it, it dropped i think overall is down like 40 percent or something stupid see. unless it went back up and then i sound like an idiot but <laughs> I use this to check tickers sometimes because I like big colors. Yeah. Nah, the, the UI of Robinhood is still nice and everything. Is I'm so used to Weeble now, though. I can't. It's the only UI that doesn't look like it was made on, like, Excel. On, like, Windows. We- Weeble is good. Oh, it IPO'd at 38, so. Straight. Well, what it, didn't it spike up right yeah, after it, that? It was at yeah. 70. Uh, yeah. oh, no, it was at I 85. Think- 
Like, were you able to buy it? At, I didn't uh, buy it. At 38, though? Oh, you were. There yeah, was a little could. dip before it went up. No, no. It was at it released at 38. It dipped down to the low of 33. Because yeah. I, I remember. If, it's like, still green overall. I don't remember which stock it was. I think maybe it was Airbnb. When they were IPOing, it was like, yo, it's going to be $80, $80. And that ended up being like like the absolute lowest you could buy it at when it first started was like 140 That's why IPO buys are always because it, limit buys. You have to like set your price yeah. range that you're comfortable with. Yeah, I actually I mean, played EZFL the other day, which is like a gas company. They're kind of like small cap though. A lot of growth. Like they're going to be a good company. I just tried to trade it off the IPO. Broke down past support. I got screwed. Had the bag. <laughs> IPOs are kind of. I mean, Robinhood looks like it's almost coming for a breakout now. It looks like it's making a higher low. If it 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 breaks out of this formation, whatever, it looks like yeah. it kind of is. But at the same time, we may, you see, know, we, like, we may see a run higher. But that also fundamentals do play a part. Yeah, in, exactly. in technicals, you got to consider that as yeah. well. Yeah, this is not financial advice. Not financial advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one thing, uh, I guess, to like end this off, yeah, like. Could you talk about your experience, your recent experience in the office where you had a, like a role change and just like what changed in your day to day and like in how people interact with you and all that? Yeah. Um, okay. So I did have a role change and before I was just, I was basically like the lowest level in the building pretty much like. You're entry level. Entry level engineer. And uh I don't know, I feel like now the way that people act around me is not really much different. I'm still like the same and it's not like I gained how like authority over a bunch of people. Yeah. I'm kind of just separate in a separate grouping. But I mean day to day responsibilities crazy now because Everything that I was doing didn't really get offloaded to anyone because everyone's so busy that I'm kind of doing two jobs, which I don't really enjoy, but <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I, I know I have to, it's what I got to do for now because I took on the responsibility. I had the choice and I said, I, I want to do it. So I'm really just, uh, it did force me to become, I went from like 40% organization to probably like 80% organization still got some room to go, but I slimmed down everything. I'm, I've become way more efficient. I've just like forced myself to not like take my time on everything, but I am way more stressed. And now I have people to report for. Wait, what do you mean? People to report? I'm like managing a few people. Really? You know that? Ooh, tell us. You didn't more. know that? So before I was just an entry level engineer, only doing design work like schematics, some coding, simulations, testing. You're very like very technical. <clears throat> technical, role. very technical. And now my point of this is not really to do any technical work; it's just to provide technical supervision and like maybe some project management super supervision, which I definitely enjoy that more because I like talking, giving advice, and 
finding out problems that are like, you know, just require some searching. And I like, I like coordinating stuff too. I don't know. I, I feel like I enjoy that. You enjoy Where, organization. Yeah, I do. But I feel like I wasn't enjoying very much just doing design stuff. I don't know. It's fun, but the fun starts to, it's like when you do anything, if you keep doing it, it feels a little bit less good every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, so I, then I, and I already didn't love it. I just like the satisfaction of knowing I could do it. The technical work. Yeah. So now that kind of wore off and I'm like, all right, I've done enough technical things that I'm, I'm straight. I feel like the value for me and like covering like projects or being responsible for things is like a polar opposite of you. Cause I hate being organized. Like my room is a mess, <laughs> which I mean, it doesn't have to relate to the workplace, but it does. Like, I personally don't like being super regimented in like scheduling like to do's and everything to me that just, it makes me feel like I already have the next day done. There's nothing interesting to go in. Everything is just busy work at that point to me. Um, So I hate organization so much that like I would go out of my way to try and like improve workflows and streamline like processes because I just figured like everybody hated it like me. <laughs> but I mean, I know that's obviously not the case, but if you have someone like that, isn't that organized and then on top of that, isn't doing the work they need to do, then it throws a wrench into everybody's work. So if you just make it easier for everyone, like whether or not they enjoy organizing, it's uh, it's an easy way to make your life easier and then their lives easier. And, I don't know. I mean, if you despise doing it for yourself, you definitely want to fix it for other people too. <laughs> well said. <laughs> that was well said. Yeah. I mean, everyone has their own way of approaching it. That's the, the best part, right? Yeah. So do you like an empty calendar or do you like a full one? Uh, I mean, I just ripped the pages out of my paper calendar at my desk from like July out today. So I'm just going to let that be the answer. <laughs> Do I have my entire life written down? Do you have like an outlook calendar? Yeah. I mean, but that's all auto populated stuff. Like I don't plan any of like my tasks in there. I like to just know what I have to do and try and have enough of a routine where the busy stuff or the daily stuff doesn't get lost. But I also like to cluster things and that's kind of not doesn't fall into the same category as like time management. Like if I have like a larger project to do, I do like to do it in one day because I'm very like momentum driven. So I can't snip it into pieces and do it little pieces at a time. I have to stay on one task and I have to do it like the whole day, (laughs) which then it sucks because then you get you end up with some other random task at some point, just something comes up and it messes with your whole day. But it's definitely more helpful for me to just ride the momentum of getting stuff done and get as much of it done in one shot. And then you can come back to it, and, you know, actually make it look nice. But that's how I've always been with like homework and everything. It's burned me probably more times than it saved me. But <laughs> So you were, you, you procrastinated a lot. Yeah, all the time. I hated doing work early. Or, or if I did work early, the whole project was done, like, weeks in advance. That was, yeah. like, 
the way I would prefer to do it is just try and do it in as little time as possible or not as little time as possible, but as little like attempts. Sessions. Yeah. As, as few sessions as possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I think, I think I used to be like that and now I'm the opposite. Like now, like if I have some big ass thing, I do, like if I if I get to like the week before and I haven't made significant process, it stresses me out. So I have to I do a little bit at a time when I can, so that I don't have to do a lot right before it's due. I I mean for me also I feel like I think about things too much, and if I go day to day and I let there be time where I'm by myself, I'm gonna think about that so hard. And it's going to make me just be in like a state of being stuck where I'm trying to perfect it before I put down the groundwork. I'm working on a project or something. So if I do it all just on momentum in one shot, I at least lay down all the foundations. I love and the, I can add that momentum else. when it hits like for a yeah, few exactly. hours and you get like a bunch of shit done. Yeah, you, you can finish like all of the foundations of a project in one shot like if, if it feels that good in the moment and then everything else you're building up to just perfect it but in terms of like if i were to break that up and try and perfect it at each stage i would probably never finish dude my my little brother did his entire like you remember those like trip like those trifold science poster yep. mm -hmm. presentations he would do the entire thing the night before. Mm -hmm. My parents would actually want to kill him because they're just like, it, they were just like, we've been telling you to do it for weeks and shit. And mm -hmm. like, my brother's like, nah, like, yeah, I'll I just was do it now. Guy. I was that guy that, or that kid that would be like, hey, mom, like, I don't have this board and the science fair is tomorrow. Yeah. You have to run out to Staples. Or yeah. Michaels. Like literally eight o'clock at night, we'd go out to Michael's and try and get these supplies. And I would piece something together. Like even like fifth grade, I'd be like up until one in the morning or like it, it feels like one in the morning in my head. It was probably like eight o'clock. <laughs> yeah. But when, dude, when you were a kid, like nine thirty was like, like, like that was, you're staying up late. Like my parents always, like, I remember I used to love watching Drake and Josh and I wasn't allowed to because it'd go on at nine o'clock and we had to be in bed at nine o'clock. Like I actually had a, a bedtime when I was a kid, which sucked. I don't know. Would, I don't know if I'd enforce that, that as a parent or not, but like, yeah, sometimes I just wanted to watch Drake and Josh and I couldn't. Yeah. I mean, I feel like midnight was like untouched territory for me. I definitely stayed up later than the nine o'clock. I don't think I had a bedtime, but I do have like a vivid memory of going to bed one time in the summer and it wasn't like pitch black. And I feel like that just scarred me. And now I'm like such not a morning person. Like I'd way rather stay up late. Me too. And yeah. you get forced to not be like that because of work. Like you wake up at six and you end up becoming a morning person, but it doesn't mean you enjoy it. You're just capable. I'm sadly still not a morning person and I've been working for over a year. Like it, it's bad. Like I, I stay up late like every single day and it's like. When do you stay up until? I'm out like a 10.30 to 11.30. I usually sleep at like 1 to 2. No, I, I go. Because I, I still hang out. With, when do you wake up? Uh... Dude, I wake up at depending like on the day, it's either like eight or nine. Sometimes I have when to get, get into, into work, work at eight. 
like, dude, they're like, you'd be showing up at 11. Sometimes like it depends on the day. Like sometimes I'll wake up and I'll work from home and then I'll go to the office at like 12 just cause like, I don't have to be there all day. I just need yeah. to do one specific thing there. But there are other days where like, I just wake up at nine and I was like, fuck, I was trying to go to, I was trying to be at work at like eight 30. And then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like when you wake very, up when you're a kid, and very much not a morning person. Yeah. When you wake up and it's like third period in high school or something and you just completely slept through your, Oh no, 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 no. My mom would never let me do like, like I do sick days were not an option. Like, I I was like the perfect attendance kid because of the my parents actually had me in like boot camp growing up. My parents were both teachers, so like if I didn't want to go into school, like I was responsible for getting myself to school. So once they left for the day, like if I didn't go to school, they would they they physically can't stop me. So I would just text my mom and be like, "I don't feel well. I'm staying home." Or like, "I didn't do my homework." I have to go in at this time, so I skipped that class. I did that all the time. It sounds hard, like <laughs> you're a scumbag. It's so bad, but that's what happens when you forget about an essay. Everyone finesses them. the next day. Yeah. yeah, so I wouldn't go into class, and I would just text her and say, "Like, hey, can you write me a sick note?" And she would like just send me something, like a text or something. And I mean, she was okay with it. Like, she understood. It happens. It happens, bro. <laughs> I'm charting Apple for tomorrow. Yo, they just, you know, they broke through key support. Apple? Yeah, uh, I was going to short it. Hmm? I was going to short it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy puts. Uh, On Apple? Yeah, Apple broke tomorrow. On. Okay. Someone charted it. Look at that volume shelf. There's literally no volume there. It's just going to fall tomorrow. Yeah. Don't you don't want to buy where there's high volume because a lot of trades being shared there. You this like is to buy right before it. Hmm? Wait, so I like to buy right before like. A well, I'm saying you use that as a launch pad. Yeah. But in this case, because now it it closed below the volume shelf, really. Yeah. It should fall. Yeah, I don't. I don't like big cap stuff because it's like large, exciting. Large me. cap options has been the best trading method. No, that is the smartest. Dude, because I used to trade small exciting. cap stocks shares. Yeah. But I would. Like the way that I am allowed to trade with my job is like I'm checking it like at random times and I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm gonna close it, I'm up, or like I'm down. So if there's a knife and it just keeps dipping, uh, sometimes I won't get to it for 30 minutes because I gotta do shit. And that's then why like, I do oh, trailing bro. stops. That's why. And Weeble, the trailing stops don't really work like that. Um, shit. Like it's a little bit different. Uh, yeah, what do you use? Stuff, Robin Hood, I'm still on Robin Hood. Same. As much as it's like the evil empire, like. They do have a really good UI. <laughs> I, like, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty. <laughs> it, it is nice. But all my stuff, like, all my, like, actual investments are, uh, like, large cap. But then, like, my options, I literally have a 50-cent call, a $5 call, and I'm selling a $1 call. Like, Wait, you're selling a call? Well, because I, I also call? bought a call. So, like, why not just make an extra, like, couple bucks? Like, it, they're, they're, like, it was, like, a $40 call that I bought. I sell like $5 calls. Like, but by the time that call, like that option expires, like I will have made close to what I invested. 
And then if it, let's say someone exercises it, then that's also like I made income because yeah. I sell them higher. I'm saying, yeah, I want, money. I want to, right now I have my actual, like I have retirement accounts, but then my long-term investment account <laughs> is also, they share the same account. I just oh, I don't keep, do that. No, I, I used to not right do now. it, but I wanted to get out. Of I have like, I didn't like it. I just needed to leave. Yeah. So I started doing it in there, but I just keep track of it all. I have long-term with like a broker and that's good because then I don't look at it that yeah. often. Like I have to go out of my way to like look into the performance and like there's a step in the middle. I can't just do stuff. I have to like ask this person like, Hey, can you do this? So it stops me from being impulsive, which is a lot better for like long term. Yeah. See, it's margin. I got to change it to cash. The only thing with the cash accounts. Because um, I'm saying I, I would do this to split it up. I just didn't know you can do cash and TD. Yeah. You just have to request it. Or when you make the account, you might be able uh, to just do it. I know Robinhood, you can downgrade. Really? But then I think you but lose. Robinhood, you, it, you don't get, you still have to. You get a limited amount of trades, is what I'm saying. Even with a cash account? Yeah. The Robin Hood. Oh, Why? Yeah. Oh, well, TD doesn't do that. I could be incorrect, but I'm pretty, I literally just heard it on oh, no, a financial really. podcast. I read it on Robinhood yeah. about the thing. So I feel like, I don't know, you probably can, but it's sketchy because then you can't do like credit spreads and stuff. Like they lock you yeah, into like level you. one options. I don't really get into any of that. I'm more just like a long base trader, to be honest. No, I, I, I don't do dude, all like I, the, spreads and shit but they're safer but they yeah. usually mean like you have to sacrifice losing some on one side if the other side goes well you, i mean you could also set up traps where it's like yeah. it has to stay in a range and yeah. if it goes up too high you're out or you could do the opposite where if it goes up or down a lot yep those are a little more exciting to me at least because i got i've gotten burned on the downside of options way too many i mean times. you could definitely do something where you have an initial stop loss for like the downside and then if the upside if it ends up going to the upside and passing over a resistance point then that would probably become new support so then you could bring the stop loss or you can you can you can you can at that point you would dump on the downside one because then you cut your losses on that but now you know because that became support now it'll probably continue higher and you know what i'm saying and then you then that's infinite money option like your contract forward just roll it yeah, forward and then you buy time, it for longer. Yeah. And then you're just getting discounted like options like two years in advance on Apple somehow. And like, no shit, it's going to be higher than that. Like, I just, the one thing I'm tight about is now I actually know what I'm doing and I can't really do it as much as I'd like because of work. Yeah. But when I was work from home, I was able to do it while working. Yeah. So, but I didn't really know that much back then I was in the learning phase. Now I feel like I can read a chart well enough, but usually there've been so many times where I was right in the trade, but I was in a meeting or something and I like got caught in the knife, which is my fault because I was exposed at that point. I should have just gotten out, but numerous times that's happened. Like That's the only reason why I set stop losses. If I could watch it, I would just set like a trading view. Alert. Except I stopped setting stop losses because I heard a lot of people, you need to just use a mental stop. Because there are so many times that when I'll be in a trade, it'll hit my stop and then go right up after that. Yeah. And it, it was like a couple cents below my stop. And then I would try like, all right, I'm going to set it a couple of cents lower than I normally would. It still is getting triggered. So Yeah. But that's why I like the trailings because usually yeah, like, you get locked into profit 
And like, yeah, whatever. You don't make as much money as you could have, but like, at least you didn't lose money. You're right. Conservation of capital is the number one. Just stay green. That's it. I don't want to wrap up. Yeah, we can wrap it up. All right. Uh, I guess this is it. It's the 14th episode, I believe. Really racking them up at this point. They were collecting them like Pokemon. Uh, thank you once again for uh, a thousand downloads. Yeah. First big milestone. Yeah, you know, hopefully two thousand comes faster. Yeah, for sure. Um, as always, you could reach out to us via our email blackboxsubmission at gmail dot com. Uh, and on our social media, we got Instagram and we got Twitter at Blackbox Podcast. No A in the black. We'll link our accounts in the show notes. Thank you, Mike, for uh, appearing us. on this episode. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, also, I was going to say, if you listen to this podcast, leave a review on any platform, however you do that, on whatever platform you're on. We want to, we want to hear what you guys think. Please. All right. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Yeah. Get out of here. Oh, <laughs>